and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 476. The death of the Justice League. It is upon us. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, yeah, Justice League's been going for a little while now, and uh it is time for somebody to take the helm and point us towards uh the summer event that will be Dark Crisis. And this is gonna be uh this is a prequel to Dark Crisis. It's actually, you know, very very clearly labeled as such at some point in the book, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, it definitely was advertised that way. And uh, this is continuing actually along the lines of something we've already talked about on the show, which is Infinite Frontier. Um, we talked about Infinite Frontier on this podcast, but we, we didn't talk about Justice League Incarnate, which is a five-issue series that picked up where a portion of Infinite Frontier left off. Did you? I, I, I read Justice League Incarnate. Did you read it? I only have one. I only have one issue. Okay. So for those folks playing along at home, I'll give a, a like two second synopsis of this thing. Basically, the crack in the multiverse that Barry created at the end of uh, Infinite Frontier is sort of hopscotching its way across the multiverse, and various dark entity beings, you know, like Dark Side or. Um, the guy, I already forget his name. The Earth Eight, I, I think it's Earth Eight version. Uh, that's the, you know the, the like big blue baby is their Hulk and like the, the the that the Marvel sort of equivalent. Their Thanos, like he's one of the people who's after the power. Um, and then so basically, what they have to do is they're essentially in a race to try and keep Darkseid from getting it. Um, they keep realizing they don't have the power to do anything about it, but move it across dimensions. Um, and then at the very end of it, they realize, or one of them realizes that they have to let dark side win. everything sort of ends on a big, big cliffhanger. Cause all you really get is, Oh man, things are going crazy. Uh, you know, it's going to take more of us to fight this problem. We should really call on the justice league. That's it. So I'm, <laughs> there's other stuff that happens in that book, but uh, read it if you want. But uh, that's the only thing of real any importance here. <laughs> hmm. It doesn't sound like you have any uh, good thoughts about that. Well, I'm just trying to think. It seems like there is more relevant stuff about dark side that you left out, along with stuff about the great darkness that you left out. But unless you're going to plan on touching that when you talk when you're doing a recap. I, I don't know about the recap. Maybe maybe when we talk about just because I'm going to be doing the recap of this just as I page through. So 
Um, I, I, I'll, I can expand on it more, but I just didn't want to go on too much of a tangent. That's fine. We can talk anything of relevance we can talk about when we. Yeah. yeah. All right. So death of the justice league, number 75. Um, are you, re- I'm assuming I'm recapping this. I, that's what I've been assuming. Yes. All right. So uh, we start off uh, on earth zero across the various different points as we see black Adam and then Batman, wonder woman, John Stewart, hot girl, Superman, and that Superman Clark Kent, Zatanna, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, and Black Canary, as well as Oliver Queen, who was apparently not intended to be a part of this party, but grabbed onto Dinah as she was being teleported away. They all get teleported away to the same spot, and that is the ruins, the remnants of the House of Heroes, which is the home base of the Justice League Incarnate. Again, uh, stuff that happened in the Justice League Incarnate series, we'll talk about it at another point. Uh, The Justice Incarnate consists of, at this point, President Superman, Avery Ho, which is the Flash of China from Earth-Zero, Dino Cop from Earth-41, Mary Marvel from Earth-5, Aquaman from Earth-11, and Captain Carrot of Earth-26, as well as the Thunderer of Earth-7. We also see a uh, character that, unless you've been reading the Justice League Incarnate, we haven't seen before, Dr. Multiverse of Earth-8. That is the Marvel Universe. Uh, President Superman has said, you know, we're in grave danger. And now we begin a, a phase of catch-up. Hey, where Calvin, what's going on? Where's Barry? Oh, man, I really should have told you, but he's he's gone. And then he gives us the recap I tried, which is uh, darkness. Uh, Darkseid has been enslaved by the great darkness and ancient evil that has been awakened. It's created an army of unbelievable destructive force. Just know in all my travels, I've never known fear like this. Barry Allen's trapped on a twisted world. We saw that uh, at the end of uh, Infinite Frontier. Uh, and now... The great darkness moves to possess the space between our worlds, the bleed. If we don't do something now, the darkness will eventually overtake everything. They're trying to figure out what's going on with uh, with the, you know, what's with the big fight. And it's not good. It's not evil. It just wants to return the universe back to darkness, which is its original state. We've kind of seen that sort of villain before. Wonder Woman talks about the the hands that shaped our universe warned me that saving the multiverse would come with the cost of Spectre, and I searched for that cost, but instead we found hope, to which Calvin responds with, Spectre's dead. And then the darkness uh, attacks the kind of remnants of the House of Heroes. Batman says, you know, we got to tell, tell the Titans what's going on. Ollie says, you know, it's stopping a crisis is our whole thing. Dr. Multiverse teleports everybody to the quote unquote front lines and the front lines that she teleports him to is where we saw Barry kind of where we saw somebody at the end of infinite frontier. And that is somebody they confront now who is pariah pariah is on still on the remnants of the original earth uh, from the original multiverse. they say, you know, hey, what's going on with uh, where you're the one who trapped Barry? Where is he at? We see Pariah's eyes glowing. He too is possessed by the great darkness. He summons some fighters to assist him, and those fighters consist of not only Pariah, but uh, the upside down man, 
the hand i i believe that thing is with the horns is called the hand we see um eclipso we see dark side we see necron we see Ares. um know who the guy the blonde guy is that kind of looks like pariah but is it on the left and of course dark side as i mentioned and then a bunch of shadow demons uh so then we get a neuron chad neuron 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 been a while it's been a while so the Justice League starts going up against everybody. Uh, Black Canary and Batman are trying to keep Pariah from turning on the machine. So they're, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's just, it's this whole issue is as cool as it looks is just really one big fight. There's not a whole lot learned here. It's big knock them out, drag them out fight. Dark side also possessed by the great darkness says the dark, the great darkness will bring an end to everything. Superman Once we are free. The darkness will wield these creatures full power, uh, which I guess the, that's the great darkness through dark side talking in the third person. At one point, black Adam uh, hits dark side hard enough to kind of break dark side of his connection to the great darkness. And he says, my change, this war is already over black Adam. The justice league cannot win. Your only chance for survival is to, and then he, the great darkness regains its control. They scream that they need backup. And then I'm all the backup you'll ever need. I'm bringing the God storm. And that's John Stewart uh, with his new Emerald Knight God Storm-esque abilities, looking like he did in Green Lantern number 12, but before he went back to the 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 sectors to help the, the Green Lanterns out there. So interesting. He comes with a whole construct of a bunch of different Justice Leaguers. He keeps he gets gets super cocky, says they can't handle my light. And then some more taken over shadows appear around John, and it's the quintessence. And then John's like, well, but that means, and then the spirit of darkness shows up, which is uh, the great darkness inhabiting the specter and apparently kills John Stewart. We don't see this really. Uh, uh, it's just a sort of die brightest night and like an explosion of power and John screaming. And then the next panel, we cut back to Pariah and Batman and Dinah and the whole thing going on there. They're not getting anywhere close to Pariah's machine, Batman and Dinah. So Ollie fires an arrow through this madness of the fight, blows up the machine, which pisses off Pariah. He's, and Ollie's like, oh, aren't you all glad I came? Now let's shut this down and go home. I'll make chili. And then Doomsday walks up right behind Ollie and punches him back first into the pavement, shattering his arrow and uh, the rest of Oliver Queen's body. Uh, Dinah screams aloud. She runs to Ollie's side. He says, I'll always follow you, pretty bird. Pry thinks he can still fix it. He says, uh, Batman orders Dr. Multiverse to get Green Air and the rest of the teams out. And she says, you don't understand. Pariah is more dangerous. He says, he's only, y'all have only delayed the inevitable. You know, he says, uh, I had hoped all your talk of heroic sacrifice for the greater good was more than just words. But instead, you will be mourned. And he kills the Trinity of the Justice League, as well as the rest standing back there. Which, uh, now that I double look at it, this panel does include John. So, um he he dies in this blast from Pariah, not from the Spectre. Black Adam is the only one remaining. He goes up to Pariah and punches him in the face, but it does absolutely nothing. Pariah grabs Black Adam by the fist and tries to destroy him. Black Adam holds out as best he can and says Shazam, which splits the two of them apart. Black Adam falls to the ground. 
everybody is is dead and gone except for Ollie and Dinah. Dinah is uh, kneeling over Ollie's body. Pry and Black Adam hit the ground. Meanwhile, back over at the Hall of Justice, everyone is asking where the Justice League is. Um, people are talking about you know how they some of them saw them just disappear right in front of them. We have Firestorm. We have Detective Chimp. We have Wally West and uh, John Kent, Jonathan Kent, uh, which is current current Superman, shows up as well. And I forget what's the new girl's name. We had a series about her. What was what was the new girl's name? You mean Naomi? Yes, Naomi. Thank you. Yes, Naomi uh, is there as well. Then all of a sudden there's a thoom. They go to the meeting room, which is exploded out, where they come across Black Adam uh, in the collapsed ruins of looks like the Justice League table or something uh, in the dirt. Kind of like how Hulk came crashing through the ceiling and said, uh, and then in a little pit laid there screaming Thanos is coming. Way, way too much like the Hulk in Infinity War. That's a, I think that it's hard to say. It's hard to think that's not a blatant. If you're nice, homage, but more like a ripoff, it seems. But yeah, he is. He's in the middle of the rubble, quietly and and clearly beaten, uh, saying the Justice League are dead. And then it is to compete to be continued in Dark Crisis number one. But uh, technically, I think there's a free comic book day, Dark Crisis zero. So there is. We'll probably be seeing some more stuff there. I really hope it's not a reprint of stuff we've already seen. I doubt it. I mean, I wouldn't put it past. It's been a while since DC has put out anything wholly original for free comic book day. But anyways, uh, which is a personal gripe of mine because I literally get every single offering from every single publisher on free comic book day. So I pay close attention to all that crap. But regardless, uh, I, I kind of gave part of my thoughts a little bit. It, it re- there really is not a lot of substance uh, to this to this issue other than basically what the title of the issue is, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I I think for the most part that's that's probably a fair assessment. I guess some some interesting points in this was the fact that regardless of whether we thought the army, you know, first of all, the army of Pariah is so huge that we don't that we don't see the overwhelming majority of who they are. Yeah, <laughs> there's true. so many people in the background. It's it's almost like the Black Lantern ask if you had all the Black Lanterns in the universe uh, showing up at the same time almost, and you you would never you see all these silhouettes in the background. But it's also the idea that if we thought the arm if we thought they were 100% true allies of the great darkness or of pariah, depending on who's really pulling the strings more than the other, we find out that clearly in this issue that they're, they're not, they're puppets. They're basically puppets on the strength. That's in theory as if everything works out down the road, then they would be essentially functioning like the real characters. But, but right now they're just kind of like, it's the bare bones version of these guys. Like dark side is basically just fighting like, like he's Bane or somebody, he's just like a brawler. He's not, he's not, so he's, it's not dark side really consciously. It's just, it's someone basically using dark side's body for the most part. And so you can say that's the same for all of these doomsday Necron, all of these. It's only, a, it's only a shell of their former self. Even I think Diana points that out when she's fighting Ares, that the fight would be going a lot different if this was really Ares. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. Um, well, you know, I, I'm assuming Pariah is not dead. I'm assuming he's just knocked out. But I guess we won't know that until until we get a little further along in this. Since Pariah seems to be the one pulling the strings behind this, it would be really weird for him to be dead. I mean, it's 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 okay. I mean, it's it's kind of cool that they had John. At least they referenced the Godstorm stuff. Though, of course, in the beginning of the book, they have 
a rebuilt Green Lantern central power battery. So I, I so I guess we know that thing at the end of Jeffrey Thorne's run isn't going to last that long. <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, unless that's just an artistic mistake, honestly. Yeah, but who knows? But this is set, I think this is this. I think this is, is set in the future. So we so compared to where we are currently. So who the hell who the hell knows? You're right. It could be. They could have somebody said, "Oh yeah, it's it's a power battery back." Yes, and without, and that's editorial. So who really knows? It was it was you know it was an okay story. It was a little it was a little anticlimactic on some level the way, but obviously it's we probably can read into the fact of where the Justice League really is probably ties into how since they die in a similar look to how Barry died in Crisis on Infinite Earths that there's probably a and then Barry, I think, well, ended up like in a pocket universe, thanks to Pariah. At yeah. the end, that that's probably exactly where they all are. They probably maybe in their own little pocket universes that they're not really, even if their bodies faded away, that the essence of who they are is still trapped in their own little, almost idealized, per- perfect little pocket universe. So we will see. I'm not overly pumped for Dark Crisis. I I could be interesting, but I'm not, especially if the main players are going to be off the board. Until you know, late, late, late in the story, I don't know how interesting to me it's going to be with a lot of the, the B tier characters leading the charge. I, sorry, uh, the there was something that happened in the Infinite, uh, not Infinite Frontier. My God, uh, the Justice League Incarnate thing that explained the Great Darkness in such a way that um, not only made sense uh, or, or tried to m- make sense of it, but also. Um, but also tied in the other points at which we've seen it before in sort of um, in our history and basically validating all of its appearances um, and, and, and what it was. And I can, I'm going to read that if, uh, if that's all right, uh, if that's all right right now, uh, because I think it's going to be one of the only times that we actually talk about it i mean if, if you'd like i can push push reading this to you know whenever we covered dark crisis one or something like that but there 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 is a, a couple of page uh thing of narrative that actually explains the great darkness and its origins that i don't actually think will be in dark crisis you think i should read that right now or should we wait till we well give it a crisis? shot worst comes to worst we'll backtrack and, and yeah, yeah. just cut it out but Chad wanted to read. He's gonna every, the, the summarizing, getting us from point A to point B about what the great darkness is and leading and laying the groundwork. That's going to be that's going to be our post credit scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but looking at this, I yeah, I was not even though again when Jeff Johns does it, it tends to be more. It tends to work better. But this is like a Jeff Con that having oh that see this is what you didn't see before how the great darkness basically no pun intended sometimes figuratively with the hand and literally and subtly and not literally another had a, had a hand, but on bum in every and almost every single crisis that we've had. I, I, like you and I have talked about, I appreciate the fact at least that his, his influence in zero hour was with extant, not pal, not with parallax. Thank God, <laughs> but it was with extant, but yeah, I, I, that's that, that I'm not a fan of that crap because, you because it's like, okay. What, yeah, what, 
what, what Mark's referring to, folks, at the end that you'll hear a portion of at the end of the episode. Uh, it's if you if you want to read it for yourself, it's Justice League Incarnate number four. Um, the first several pages of Justice League Incarnate number four are going to give you a good amount of the explanation of what the Great Darkness is, and I think it despite the fact that we're going to get a whole crisis event coming in the summer, it's, I really doubt they're going to devote that much page time to explaining it as thoroughly as they try to explain it in justice league incarnate number four. No, in all honesty, I don't necessarily really know if they need to. I mean, I, I mean, if there's any explanation needed and maybe, you know, depending how the great darkness actually appears in this thing, then maybe at that maybe that would be an opportunity for to bring people up to snuff on some you know of makes, this. You know what it makes as a Green Lantern fan, what it makes me really curious is is it makes me actually kind of want to go back to black and read Blackest Night again. Because isn't the great darkness what Necron claimed to be? But yet here Necron is is a is is it just another being to be possessed by the great darkness because didn't necron say like hey when light came into the universe you 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 ruined everything and you pissed me off and uh, i want to return the universe back to darkness and he was talking about light coming into the world with like the entity and stuff so what's the i mean like i know like dark side's the god of evil and you can make different cases for different each like for the upside down man and other other people for being like the same thing but isn't Necron like the most same thing as to what they're claiming the Great Darkness is? It's vague. It could have been where, again, Nec could have been one of those deals where Necron thinks he's the one in control and stuff. And yet, again, this behind the scenes, there's somebody influencing him and controlling him to try to get. You think kind of like the, the kind of like the parallax concept, the retcon parallax concept, where how. When when it really happened, Hal was the one in charge trying to get what he wanted. But then we found out that it was the, just the entity trying to appease Hal to try to, in the bigger picture, not that it ever really made a lot of sense related to fear, truly, if you want to be honest about it. But the idea that the entity, to get what he wanted, he was going to appease Hal and try to make Hal think that he was in charge and give him enough of what he wanted. So it could have been, it could be something like that. It could be where there's similar beings with there's similar beings with similar views on things. It's just that now we're supposed to believe that the great darkness is like, uh, so much bigger and so much more relevant than the Necron. I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not really, there are things about this event that I'm not really a fan of conceptually. And again, if the, and if this is going to be like your, your next gen heroes being the, being upfront, first and foremost leading the chart and maybe they'll throw in even though it would be ultimately ironic to have wally given some some actual positive uh page page time maybe they'll do is with that sec like with a, not the silver not the not the silver age heroes maybe they'll do give some of the next gen f the modern age heroes some some of their due too but if it's all you know if it's all the you know the jonathan kent of the world and things like that and it's like I don't know. I that doesn't really have a great appeal to me. And again, we'll have to see how it plays out. It could it could be it could be interesting. Let's be honest. Almost almost every single crisis event they've done really has has failed and has never been as cool, even if it was a good concept. I still think Infinite Crisis was about the only one they've done since probably failed in, failed in what sense? 
it failed either in to generate that much interest in thinking that the threat or the story, the threat was big enough, the story was interesting enough, or or the characters being involved in the conflict were were enthralling. I think Infinite Crisis was cool. Infinite Crisis, I think, worked. Building on the building blocks of Crisis on Infinite Earths and having you know the idea of taking the survivors of that crisis and having them bringing them to the foreground and, of the new crisis and and, and again the hey you survived that crisis and you were a hero but then all this time and how it can how it you know how it can change you and everything else i just think infinite crisis was interesting and and, and i think it worked final crisis was a steaming pile zero hours okay it it didn't really it was their attempt to try to clean up the timeline that was made messy after inf- after Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I don't really, and it may have done that temporarily, but ultimately it didn't really work. But as an event itself, except for the fact you have to get beyond how a, how another Big Bang is going to make everything fall back into place, almost I not perfectly, but close enough. That that's a stretch. Zero Hour wasn't bad. Infinite Crisis worked. Final didn't. I think uh, I just lost it. The one with. Uh, the one they did right after the they led into rebirth. The one Flashpoint? that did it. No, Flashpoint led into the new Fifty Two. You're right. Oh. It did. Uh, the one that the, the one that did a, the the one that led led into rebirth. The one that had ha, that had Hal's parallax in it. Convergence. In, c- convergence, right? Yeah. Convergence. That one's as a story that sucked. It had some cool points, and I think the last issue was kind of cool. And the idea that you know, and the idea of restoring the original multiverse, which once again, apparently they didn't really restore the original multiverse. But that seems to be another ongoing thing with 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 DC, either like like every 10 years, you got to wipe out the entire multiverse or shrink it. And then and then you get to the point where we, we have to restore it all. And then whenever we think we restore it all, it's never really restored, which is basically the whole point of this. It's like eh, we have we, we have this part of the multiverse where all the other worlds that were destroyed and the original worlds that were destroyed in uh, crisis still exist destroyed, but the remnants are, uh, I, let's see how it plays out. It's I'm not, I'm not super pumped, but well, it, it could, it could be a, because I have little interest. Maybe it'll be surprisingly good. Yeah. For me, I think my, my excitement for dark crisis comes in the fact that, you know, we're starting by killing the justice league. You know, we're going to for a while, even on just the last episode, I sort of rant in in ranting against, you know, voting that shall not be named. Um, you know, I I was talking about how at the at the root of it all, I just want to see more of the DC universe. So having a crisis level event and starting it by killing the main focus points of DC, the Justice League, um you know, we already sort of get a peek of it here. We immediately cut back to the ju- to you know the Hall of Justice, and who do we see in the forefront? Wally, Jonathan, Jonathan Kent, Naomi, Firestorm, and Detective Chimp. Oh hell yes, yes! Give give me more of the DCU uh, that I don't get to see quite as often. So I'm um, I'm down for this, um, it, at least in that respect. Does it have the potential to kind of ruin itself? Uh, like all crisis events and grab more than it can hold true. Uh, it also may fail to solve the problem, which is why I asked you, uh, how did the crisis and what ways were you referring to the crisis events failing? Because, 
You could also make the argument that they failed in their original goal, as in what their goal was for the DC Comics line at the time. Like, you know, yeah, that, 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 that is continuity another, yeah. and, yeah. you know, ABCD. Yeah, that's another common thread. They have all they have all failed. I mean, the new the new the new 52 generated a lot of interest when it started. The new 52 was essentially a failure. It didn't last very long. It, it couldn't really keep up the momentum. They tried to launch a bunch of books, some, some of which were, you know, you knew they were really doomed to fail. And yeah, so in rebirth and in, in the rebirth, the rebirth era had a lot of potential, but it kind of went off. It, it, it did kind of go off the rails. It's like, I, in a way, the rebirth, the rebirth thing kind of needed a crisis. Hmm. And we thought and actually we thought we were going to get one with the doomsday clock, which turned into another cluster. Whether it was that was more Frank than John's or or a, or a nice healthy mixing of both, but Doomsday Clock was what we I think we, we thought was going to be a a pseudo crisis level event or or lead into one, and it turned out to be so inconsequential because of the fact that it took it took forever to get like what twelve issues or whatever to come out. It took like two years to get twelve issues or whatever the hell it took. So yeah, we'll see. For sure. All right. Uh, feedback. Yeah, so let's pick up on and do a little bit more feedback. Okay, and let uh, I will go ahead and play this message here, just so I can hear it as well here. Let's see, where did it go? There it is, and here we go. Hi, Leonard Cast. This is Ken. Uh, thank you for answering my email. It's a lot of fun to hear you guys talk about Green Lantern. And if you ever want to invite fans to come on the show, let me know. I would love to discuss GL concepts and ideas with you guys. So I do have two questions for you. My first one, and this was challenging for me, what if you could only have three Lantern cores? This doesn't have to be restricted to the seven main emotional spectrum cores, but it's up to you. Members of the other cores can join the ones you keep. Personally, my first choice is pretty standard with the GLC, the Sinestro Core, and the Star Sapphires, since they are at the foundation of the emotional spectrum, in my opinion. But my second choice is more Elseworlds with the blue, yellow, and red lanterns. It would be interesting to see how fear, hope, and rage define how they define the emotional spectrum. And since they are primary colors, I would imagine wearing two at the same time would cause combinations or secondary colors like green, uh, orange, and purple with will, avarice, and compassion, which would be weaker and harder to control. But, yeah, and my second question is, with DC introducing John Kent, Damian Wayne, Eddie Curry, and Irie West, what if one of the human lanterns had to have a child? Who would you choose? I know there is technically Typham and Callie, kind of, but still. Personally, I would like to, I'd like to see Kyle and Jade have a kid, disregarding how their relationship ended. But I think it would be interesting if they introduced Guy's son. Seeing Guy be a father after every, everything that happened between him and his son would be a great opportunity for Guy to grow and mature. And it would be interesting to see how Guy's son interacts with the core and the league with Guy's reputation. And I don't think it would be completely surprising if Guy had a legitimate kid, illegitimate kid, uh, out there somewhere. So, but yeah, let me know what you think about these questions. Uh, I'm sorry about my other emails have gotten a little dark, or even not dark, sorry. Gotten too negative. But thank you again for answering all my my questions, and it's a really great show. Thank you again. Have a great day, and yeah. All right, bye. All righty, so let's, let's talk. Thank you, Ken. Let's talk about the first question. So only three cores, right? That was his premise? 
I believe so. That there's only three cores. We could only have three. So it, it is hard. Obviously, Greenland, we have to keep, and we'd want to keep the Green Lantern core. In a way, it's it in a way all this question is kind of it's like it's kind of like binding almost already because of the fact that it's or limiting because it's hard to do away with. You need an opposing core no matter how you do this. So the the Sinestro core is the core that's been around the longest, other than the Green Lantern core. It's got the it has a lot of interesting characters in them, especially all the ones that you that not just Sinestro, but Sorenic, not that we've seen her in ages. But now at Jessica, you have a lot of former Green Lanterns in the Sinestro Corps period. So I guess, yeah, in my mind, I'd have to keep the Sinestro Corps. So then it comes down to who would I keep as the third? It's really easy, obviously, for me to just say the Blues. And the Blues, I think, deserve it. They, they certainly have gotten the crappy end of the stick. So it would be not. So if I really had to pick one, I would pick the Blues. But I would be interested in the White Lantern Corps, which theoretically still exists. Kyle's not a white anymore, but all those other white lanterns at the end of New Guardian still should exist somewhere. So from a storytelling perspective, it probably would be more interesting for the whites. But if I literally had to pick one to go with the green and the, and the yellow, I guess I would take the white. Yeah, I think green and yellow are no brainers, but like it's very hard to pick the third. And, you know, part of me wants to say it. I mean, part of me wants to say every single one of them, uh, maybe not indigo. Uh, I haven't had enough time with or interest in to really glom onto that, but all the rest of them, I could make it, I could theoretically make a case for my first thought was red, but we've, you know, if you're keeping yellow, you've already got your antagonist there. So do you really need another one? So do I, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Indigo with not Indigo, but Violet and the star Sapphires. Um, Especially if you're doing this under the premise that, you know, everything that Jeffrey Thorne has, done is undone in terms of destroying the guardians and the Zamorans and so on and so forth. There's just, there's history and longevity and, um, you know, ancient perspective or whatever, uh, with the, with the, uh, the star sapphires that you don't necessarily have, uh, for the most part with the other cores, of course, with Ganth and Sade and the Hope core, but it's kind of the same perspective as the Guardians, just uh, or, or rather history and experience as as the Guardians, different perspective um, and that trauma over and in the Indigo core and stuff. But I think I think the Zamorans are wholly different. You know, they, they purposely split themselves off from the Guardians during the evolutionary cycle. So like. There's 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 a different under a fundamental difference uh, difference of opinion that the Zamorans have that I think would be fun and yeah so I think for me it would have to probably as much as I love White Lanterns and stuff like that and want to see that core back and Kyle be a torchbearer and all the above I think for me it would probably have to be uh, green green yellow and violet already so. Now, dealing with lanterns having kids. (laughs) Sticking with the theme, not that we know who you would pair off with. On one level, it'd be nice if St. Walker had another family. Wasn't wasn't there a future story that St. Walker did? Was it the end of the John's wrap-up that indicated that maybe he was going to have a family down the road when the Blue Lantern Corps was so big in the future for some reason? Like Future's End? Well, not, not not. not in future, not future's end, but there, his wrap up in 19, when he was like projecting ahead to what the future of oh. all these characters were. 
because that's when I know the blue, the blues were supposed to eventually have a core that was as big as the greens or whatever. For some reason I thought, and I could be wrong that it might've implied that, that St. Walker was going to have another family since we know the loss of his family was a key moment in leading him to become the, the blue lantern. But that being said, if, if it wasn't going to be St. Walker, as much as their relationship blows, it would be kind of cool to see Harold and Carol have a kid. <laughs> I would be interested in how Carol offspring. So I, I would I would probably go that route, though. His point about Guy would be in, it would be interesting. I don't know if it's as critical now since Guy has had so much character development. It would it would make him it would be more character development and might ground him a bit more. But I don't I don't think we necessarily need that from Guy to, to show that he's not an asshole anymore which would be something that they could have very easily done as a trope to try to show that in the past. But guy as a father would certainly be interesting or be funny with Moose. Stop saying interesting. It would be, it would be humorous and it would certainly open the door for a lot of character development in on some levels that we, you probably wouldn't normally associate with, with guy. I agree with guy. It would, I can see the point there. Hal and Carol, yeah, I can kind of see, but it, it seems like the obvious choice, so I kind of neglect it just for that reason. But, uh, I mean, it would also make sense for any port in a Storm Jordan to have an illegitimate kill with somebody else. So, um, But I feel like that's also too easy. You know, um, John Stewart would, as a father would be interesting. And I'm, and I'm, I'm honestly thinking like a, Stuart, a, a father to a little girl as opposed to a boy. I think that would be interesting. You mentioning St. Walker made me start considering the other cores. I didn't even think to consider non-green Blees with kids, maybe, given her history and the type of planet and stuff that she was raised on. But I don't know that Blees would ever actually want to be a mother. Um, Atrocitus, obviously, considering, again, his loss, the loss of his family was key in making him who he is, too. That's true. Yeah, I'm also thinking about those two Green Lanterns that gave up their rings. Remember that Carousel yes. came to take? Yeah, when the, when the Guardians were cracking down on and being draconian and all their new laws. The one that I actually thought of, though, was uh, Ganthet and Sade. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. That, 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 that's true. Because they're not Lanterns, they didn't cross my mind. But yes, them having, them having an actual traditional child. The old-fashioned way of the... <laughs> as peter quill would probably say the old making people the old-fashioned way yeah that yeah. would be kind of interesting like what if somehow before everything that happened with thorn i mean you, you either erase everything that thorn did or yes, you please. have to you have to live with it and go hey uh sade really is dead but we didn't see ganthet get lost or whatever right so but he's already dead that's why well well Regardless, the, <laughs> either, again, he's dead. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the there there was a secret child or something. You know, I don't know. Um, keep it secret. Keep it safe. Saint Walker's uh, taking care of him. Yeah, there you or go. Her. Um, so yeah, I don't know, something like that. I, I think Ganthet and Sade having a kid would is actually the idea I came up with that I was most intrigued by. Cool. They tried to play it with with uh, Sora and and Kyle, but honestly, at the end of the day, that didn't interest me. So the fallout was interesting. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to? All right, Chad, you want to do Chad? <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah. Well, it, depends, it depends what Chad would look like. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Don't be so judgmental, Chad. <laughs> uh, hey guys, Chad here. The other Chad wanted to thank you for creating the Discord chat recently. I enjoy chatting with you and all our fellow GL lovers. Been a listener for almost a year now. Love listening to you on my drive to my 
the delivery, uh, my route delivery area, two hour drive every day. Wanted to ask each of you, since in past episodes you're mentioning your favorite human lanterns, but what about your personal favorite alien lanterns? Which ones are your favorites? Keep up the good work, and thanks for reading my first feedback to you guys. You go first, because I actually have to Google an image that tells me specifically. (laughs) Alrighty then. I don't want to get in a situation where I'm like, you know that guy that looks like... uh... Well, well, mute yourself while you're while you're searching, Chad. <laughs> Just so the, no keystrokes will be heard. Well, Saint Walker would be easy, as Chad would like to point out. Uh, Raker Caragot would be easy. Those are both aliens and, and a Green Lantern. Uh, let's see who else. Who else do I really, really like? Alien Lantern wise, uh, Kilowog's too easy, so we're not gonna we're not gonna go that route. I do miss Worth. I do miss Worth. It would be nice if he, if Worth was back. You mentioned him in a few episodes ago, Moro. Moro, I thought, not that they ever did much with him, but he wasn't, but just by his look and his job, he, he was intriguing enough where I'd like to, I would like to see more of him. And let's see, is there anybody else? I did, I, since you mentioned her also, when it related to the Reds, Blees was interesting. Blees was an interesting character. Her relationship with Rancor was interesting in that book, the the guy book, the guy Red Lantern book, and our and actually Arkillo. Clearly, Arkillo has grown on me over the years. I think Arkillo is a is a character that doesn't get a lot of justice done to him either. But he is a but he has grown to be a much more interesting and more multifaceted character than he was when he was first created to be just basically Kilowog's opposite. Uh, yeah, I agree with you for sure about Belize. Um, Mogo of the Green Lantern Corps is always fun, of course. Um, there's a Green Lantern, and and I, I couldn't I couldn't find him uh, with the thing, but I did remember kind of the way in which I usually describe him. The Green Lantern that kind of looks like Doomsday. You know what I'm talking about? He's got kind of like little bone spurs as well. He's, oh he's, yeah, he's a yeah, yeah, guy yeah, too. yeah, 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 Like he's I think red, he's even red or something, isn't he? Isn't there red in, in his design? Uh, I think. I don't think so. I thought there was, but I, again, since we don't know his name, we can't. Uh, I also really like Rancor, but Rancor doesn't count since he's human. Um, that is true. Uh, I think Rancor is cool. There's another. Uh, there's there was an there was that one orange lantern that I thought looked cool as shit. You know, obviously it was it was one of the construct lanterns, but yeah, there was an orange lantern that uh, I remember a specific scene. The orange lantern came crashing through the ceiling, um, and then landed on somebody, and it almost had like this burning sort of um, horn design. It was a female looking lantern too. Do you remember that? Say that one more time because I was I, I was finding a picture of your lantern, which I'm going to show you, and I'm going to show you once I can open this damn window again. Uh, yeah, there was there was an orange lantern. It was a it was a very clearly a, a female orange lantern, and she like, oh yeah, there she is. Okay, it's a blurry sort of photo, but I'll show. You. Is she? Uh, she's like kind of had like fire all over. Her. It looked like her. It looks like according to this Google image result, her name is Clipta. I guess I don't. I don't know. But I will I will look at your link the same time I send you mine. Um, but she had like horns or whatever that I thought was was interesting. I'll send it to you some other way because it's not letting me paste it here. All right. Um, yes. Uh, it's wait. His name. Cre Crehan. 
No, tur- I think turret is. I. It looks, like, it looks like it's showing me turret. Is his, yes, turret is his name. Okay. And he okay. is, and he is mostly. In some pages, he looks orange, but he is mostly red. Yes. Uh, so yes. Uh, yes. T T U R Y T T. Yep. That well, that was a that was an interesting. That was I've always liked the way he looks. I just think he looks cool as shit. And uh, I would. There you go. Yes. Uh, apparently, her name is Klipta. Uh, so if you guys out there are looking, go do a Google image search for C L Y P T A Orange Lantern. So, oh, so we. This was from the original uh, Agent Orange. Yes, but I think yes. I, I I think they did bring her back because I remember seeing her. Um, yeah, here's the image during the New Guardians run, and here's what I was talking about. She came through a ceiling and landed on top of one of the Guardians, Ganthet, during the New Guardians run. That second image I sent you. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Yeah, I always liked the design of her. I thought she was really cool. So yeah, if you're playing her on run at home, C L Y P T A Orange Lantern. She looks cool as shit. Um, I actually thought if they were going to make, you know, Orange Lantern, Orange Lantern uh, action figures, she should be one of the first because she's got a really cool ass design. She's almost sort of on fire, too, which I think is cool looking. It was kind of a characteristic of almost all the Orange Lanterns that they were sort of the constructs that they were sort of on fire. But it seemed intentional with her as opposed to just kind of burning with energy like they seemingly do. Oh, and then, of course, Glomulus. Good old Glommy. But thanks for writing in, man. We appreciate it. Ready for Shane's? Yep, Shane. All right, Shane. And to think I was happy that Grant Morrison was done. (laughs) Come back, Mr. Morrison. All is forgiven. Jeffrey Thorne has made me appreciate Morrison series a lot more. Actually, I would agree with that. Uh, Because if nothing else, we got a Hal-centric series that gave us wise and thoughtful Guardians again, and which actually depicted the Green Lantern Corps in action doing what Green Lanterns are supposed to do. Patrol the universe, arrest criminals, and keep the peace. Imagine that. And and the inclusion of characters and stories from the Silver and Bronze Age, as well as the early Johns run, made that series feel connected to the past. Thorne falls right back on the tired Corrin crisis type of story that we've seen over and over again. It seems no sooner does the core get all get built up than the central power battery is destroyed, the guardians are decimated, and a huge swath of Green Lanterns are killed. We've seen this before multiple times. Why tell a variant of the same story again? When Thorne started his series that way, it immediately turned me off and I quit buying the book. I've kept up somewhat with what's going on through the Lantern cast, and I, and I did read issue 12 to see how things wrapped up. My verdict. Once again, I'm in the position of hoping the next writer comes along sooner rather than later and fixes this mess. I'm not sure Green Lantern has been this mired in mediocrity, poor art, and a lack of new ideas since the 90s. My favorite characters are in a bad place, and remembering the heights of popularity from which this franchise has fallen makes it all the worse. But at least the Lantern cast remains enjoyable, as always. Keep up the good work. That's a good email, Shane. It was a nicely written email, even if everybody will not agree with all his points. It was a nicely sure. written. Yeah, like I said when I was reading it, I can't help but editorialize more than I should sometimes. Yeah, I, I also agree. I think while the Thorn run the Thorn run is a lot more straightforward in understanding what's going on from week from issue to issue, it doesn't necessarily make it at but now that we've gotten through at least the the end of the first, depending on what happens. 
either the end of the end or the end of the first third of what he wants to do, that it doesn't make it more enjoyable than than the Morrison run. And the Morrison run, it was it had problems and it just doesn't change those problems. But it does make you realize that, hey, you know, there were some good things in the Morrison run and maybe the good in that run offsets or is better than the good in this run. I don't know. It's it. it and again, the fact that it is focusing on how that that makes it that makes it or made it better for me. And the fact that there was finally a way that Morrison, who was not a Hal Jordan fan ever in the past, the fact that he could find a hook to write a Hal Jordan centric book for two years and find it enjoyable enough where he, you know, he found his voice. He could tell a story with a character that I don't, I don't know if he hated Hal Jordan as much. I, I don't know if anybody could hate Hal Jordan as much as Jeffrey Thorne apparently does, but he was not a fan. He didn't like him. So the fact that he could find a voice for that character for two years and and tell a book, tell a story and, and write a book that at least had a some kind of a point to it and, and had some had something to say. And, yeah, the fact that it was annoying that we, to do as much research as we had to do at times to understand what was going on in that book. But no one can say that he mailed it in. <laughs> That's what you're not going to say about Morrison, that he just mails it, that he mailed it in. And. Yeah, I think the media, in all honesty, the mediocrity we've been we've been dealing with different shades of mediocrity and we've had moments when it hasn't been. And obviously, when you look at all the new 52 books that we had at one point, including the guy, the the guy portion of the Red Lantern book, the Sinestro Corps book, especially part of the New Guardians run that and even to be fair even the end of the of van jensen's run on green lantern court was good the van the van diddy book was clearly the worst of most of those was probably the worst book consistently throughout that time frame post john's there were some cool issues in it but it was not it wasn't not good overall but we've been dealing with a lot of mediocrity since jeff john's left and that's the reality and it, it is tough it is tough. I mean, Morrison's run really wasn't mediocre. It was just hard. It was it was hard to understand at times. And it just it was polarizing. I just think the Thorn run is now. I don't know how many people are happy with the Thorn run. Even people who were even people like Dan that were like really, I guess, all in when when it began. were not necessarily particular, particularly enthralled with how things left and wrapped up in issue 12. Um. Thorn, the things I dislike about Thorne's run are not enough to make me appreciate the Morrison run anymore. I let's let's I mean let's be honest. There there have been aspects of Thorne's run that I was either curious about or enjoyed here or there. Um, obviously, the art is not one of them. Uh, again, art is personal preference, but um, so that's neither here nor there. But beyond that, there's there's stuff about. Uh, a, a good portion of the Morrison run that actively pissed me off. And I can't really say that uh, about, uh, about Thorne's run. There's stuff that probably upset me, but I was angry at having to read some of those titles that Morrison put out um, some of those issues. So, I mean, luckily it was a feast for the eyes in terms of the art with Liam Sharp, but like at the same time, it, it, it just didn't do anything for me because of how, pissed off that book made me um uh sometimes week to week or every other every other issue or or whatever the case may be 
which like I said, I can't really say for Thorne's run. There's stuff I really don't like about Thorne and what he, Thorne's run and what he has done, but uh, I can't really say that I'm furious about it. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it it make, does it make me look at Morrison's run slightly differently? Yeah, sure, but it doesn't do anything to fix my opinion about Morrison's run. That is pretty much cemented in stone. I get you. I hear you. All right, and Apreet, Apreet, uh, uh, and and forgive us, uh, Apreet, if you're listening out there. If that's, uh, let me know if uh, if that's how you're supposed to say your name. Ar Arpit. Or, or Pete, uh, oh, whatever. Uh, he, he tried to send this this email to mark at lanterncast.com because apparently, on I guess on the bio section of our website, we still have the old school emails listed on there. So we need I guess, to look. Well, obviously, we need to look at see where that is if that's the case and, and fix that crap. Yeah, yeah. Make a note. He said, he said uh, hello, I love your podcast. I discovered it from Mosaic Comics YouTube channel. After watching the uh, after watching the Future Lanterns episode, I wanted to provide you some more info on GL Cairo, my favorite Future Green Lantern. Derek Friedoffs, the writer of Justice League Beyond Constriction, which is the name of the title, uh, the, the story, wrote a blog about the origins of the origin Justice League Beyond, and then he gives us the link to it. Um, it details everything on the origins of JL, including whose ring Cairo gets. Um, and then he says, your fan, RP. Um, and it's a link to uh, the the Derek Friedhoff's blog, which uh, the particular entry is titled Justice Served Beyond Origins. If you guys want the specific link, hey, we keep telling you, ask for the link to our Discord, and then you can see the link for yourself in our podcast feedback channel. Or just Google Justice Served Beyond Origins and Derek Friedolfs and do it there. Um, but yeah, that blog post goes, I believe that uh, 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 Cairo got uh, John Stewart's ring, I think. And that um, part of their uh, attempt to give Cairo an origin is they also, they really like the intricate selection process that monks have to, to choose the next Dalai Lama. So they sort of paired that up with the selection process and what the appeal to somebody of that nature would be for would be for a Green Lantern. So that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It makes it, he doesn't really go into it other than saying, and I just love the real process of how they find the next Dalai Lama, the tradition and ritual aspect of it. He doesn't really explain it anymore. So I assume we just have to read up on how they choose a Dalai Lama yourself to understand what he's talking about. But. Yeah, just it, it is it is interesting the selection process of somebody like a Dalai Lama and then the you know a selection process of a ring which was something we did we 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 focused on actually they made they made the time to focus on some of that with these various lantern cores we don't really talk about that a lot we don't come back to that remember how intricate and long it took them to choose a blue lantern that is true yeah we, well, we blue but blue lanterns are as we know, blue lanterns are unique. That's true, but I mean, I, they the 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 difference. It's it's not only the differences in you know what the power is. It's the differences in how the ring finds somebody, which is uh, which was also interesting to to explore. Because somebody, I mean, it, at one point it seemed like you could just be throwing a temper tantrum and a rage ring could find you. You know, it doesn't have to be any more. 
uh, deep and everlasting as like Atrocitus's rage. It just gets to find you in a highly rageful moment, and then you just sort of live in that moment, right? Yes. So it doesn't have to be as as you know as uh, I don't know what warranted maybe as Atrocitus's rage. <laughs> Uh, pure age baby i spilled coffee on my pants getting everything is going wrong today and this is the last straw you have great rage in your heart <laughs> welcome to the red lantern core <laughs> my entire sector and family was destroyed you have great rage yeah, stop heart. whining <laughs> walk it off all right i didn't get to kill krona the guardians did it should have been me <laughs> Which mm-hmm. is, for those of you playing along at home, that's like the whole first 12 issues of uh, the Red Lantern series before Guy became the focus. Is <laughs> Atrocitus bitching and complaining that he didn't get to kill Krona himself. <laughs> he did get the body, though. It's true. Oh, God. But that's it for feedback. Yes, 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 it is. As As you were doing that, I was updating or trying to update our about us page taking off those emails uh even though there's one thing that's not oh i know because it's still the preview all right so before we go question number one did you order the entire blackest night mcfarland figure set no but i will when i get paid tomorrow (laughs) yeah i i can't i can't like i was like myron and i were talking about today i i i just can't justify it the i'm not i'm not i'm not a fan of the Batman and the Superman figures. The Batman figure is cool for what it is. It's not even really Batman, but as a figure, it's cool. I don't think that Superman figure is that good. I actually think the face, actually, I think for some reason, I think if I remember the Blackest Night DC Direct one might be a better face. Well, the Deathstorm is my favorite. Deathstorm is the best figure because even Kyle, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the color on Kyle's uniform, and I don't know, if, and I don't think the mask is great. Deathstorm is the best. And it is also interesting that they go with Deathstorm and not Black Lantern Firestorm because technically there was a period when there was a difference between the two. But they did give him the white power battery, which is a nice touch. I did pre-order of Kyle. I'm not again. I'm not. I wasn't 100 percent sold on Kyle, and I did pre-order uh, Deathstorm. If nothing else, you get the upper body and the head of Atrostis, or at least I can have a bust, even if I even if I don't have a complete figure. <laughs> I can't. It, I really thought about it, but for 25 bucks a pop for a figure and to have two figures that I don't even like all that much, just basically to get loose, to get those parts from. Yeah, I could change my mind. I almost did it and said, well, they're not supposed to come out to August. I could do it on big bad. They don't charge me now anyway for it. And I can still think about it for a couple of weeks. And then if I decide I can just go in and cancel the pre-orders on the other two figures. But I said, you know what? Yeah. You have to. You also have to figure out which ones are likely to be peg hook warmers. If you look at the case assortment, because Enter- I think Entertainment Earth was selling them by the case, and it's a six-figure case. And Death Storm, I think it's Death Storm and Batman. I think are the ones that come two in a case, and everybody else comes one. So I don't know. I there's still a chance I could always see the other figures on the shelf, and maybe if I see them in person at some point, maybe they'll make me. Or if I really liked <laughs> the two the Half of Atrocitus that I have that I want to complete the set. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
very carefully and precisely open them up, uh, take out the atrocitous pieces and then put them back in the box and, uh, you know, display them accordingly and then build atrocitous and put atrocitous in the glass display case. And atrocitous honestly does with the, maybe the exception of death storm, even though to be, again, the DC direct death storm is really good. Facial. It is, but I, I, I still, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit I, I, even with build a figure atrocitous, uh, Death Storm is my favorite figure. Yeah, and I think it's a toss up between atrocitous and Death Storm. But if they hadn't done Death Storm before, and if that, and if they hadn't, the DC Direct one is really good. So because it is, it's if they had not done one before, I might just say universally, I would say yeah, Death Storm is the best figure. Atrocitous from what it looks like, it looks like a really really good version of atrocities so but those are the two best ones kyle could oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say kyle could have been could have been better especially the uniform and the face but and the other two were just basically nondescript they could have they could have they could have gone somewhere else they did it again you're like like you always talk about the but as you rage speaking of atrocities about that oh it's superman batman that's the real reason they're in the wave not because they couldn't have come they there weren't cooler Black Lanterns that it could have given us. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's why. But, yeah. But uh, speaking of figures, uh, very briefly for the people that are playing along at home, Funko is doing more NFT drops. Uh, if, what is it? Like 1.62%? Yes. Something like that. Uh, one of the, so you get these NFT packs, you open the digital Funko trading card packs or whatever, and you could theoretically win a, I guess, a voucher or something to exchange for a physical pop, a Funko pop. They're going to make, they, they have made uh, one, which I know it's poor Mark. <laughs> I know what a, crime, what a, even, and Jim, and Jim agrees with this too. Despite the other one that we both have an interest in, in this wave that he agrees that that, that one is the best one of the group. Yeah. So there's going to be, uh, there's there's going to be a um, a Kyle Rayner in his classic costume Funko Pop. There's also going to be an Eradicator. <laughs> so and poor a, Mark. A, 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 and we should point this out. This is like the reign of the Superman, last son of Krypton Eradicator. He's yeah. got the yellow. He's got the yellow visor. He looks just like Superman. He's got the S curl. I don't know if. It doesn't necessarily look like he's got any like energy coming out of his hands, but you re- but they don't really show you the side of the box to really know. It doesn't look it doesn't look like, but he it's hard to know if he has any energy coming out of the one the one hand you can't see in the box. But either way, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, I th- I believe I can't remember how many cards come in a NFT pack, but I believe the packs are ten bucks a piece. I think I've 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 told myself I'm only going to spend twenty bucks. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like a um, a lottery if you don't you know you can't win if you don't play sort of a thing. But I'm not also going to sink hundreds of dollars into this thing trying to get that stupid Kyle Rayner pop anyways. But I'll probably buy two NFT packs and we'll see. Uh, with a 1.62 percent chance of getting it, I don't actually anticipate anything. But twenty bucks is maybe the most I'm willing to, you know, quote unquote, waste, um, just for the very, very slim chance that I end up getting that Funko Pop. 
Um, and don't try and think you're going to get those Funko Pops on the aftermarket. I believe only like 900 something of them are made, um, which may seem like a lot to you folks playing along out there, but not in the Funko community. And those Pops will go for well over $500 a piece. 2054 in the production run for the Eradicator. Oh, gotcha. Maybe it's it was still just, a drop. It's still a yeah. drop in the bucket. Hey, you can yeah. I can buy one now for four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. But where do you one, buy? Where, where do you even buy the NFT stuff? Uh, on the Funko site, I believe. But it's not available. Is it available now? No, not until the fifth. Oh, May fifth. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I may have to. I may have to suck it up and roll the dice just because. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, like a, just just like going to somewhere to gamble. You know, you 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 win some, you lose some, and. I'm willing to lose some uh, for the potential to win some. And the maximum amount of uh, money I'm probably willing to lose is 20 bucks. So, and, and Hey, if, if, if I end up, honestly, at this point, I just hope I win a physical pop because that means hopefully I could trade it for the one I want. So. Yeah, that is, that is true. And, and there are, I mean, there's at least three in this line in this wave that are not bad. I mean, Gotham by Gaslight Batman is pretty cool. It's Batman, but it's you know he's still pretty cool. Obviously, Kyle is nice. I got to be honest with you, the the crab mask looks really weird on a Funko Pop because of how stretched out it is. Yeah. When you really look at it from that perspective, uh, the fact that he's flying, it looks like is a plus. But it it is a weird that that's that might be another design that doesn't translate as well to a Funko of uh, the flash rebirth, Batman rebirth. I mean, that those mean nothing, but yeah, the erratic, the eradicator is so good. Now, mind you, Batman rebirth is only 999. Uh, that's the smallest production run of Batman. Yeah. That's sorry. So that's what, that's the one I was thinking about when I said a 999 print run. Yeah. 0.2. You have a 0.2% chance. It looks like uh, to get Batman rebirth. And you have a one, you have one point six two percent chance of getting all the others that, not counting Freddy Funko as Batman, which just has a a limited amount. I guess that that's is that one just going to be available, or is it just or, or is it just because he, because they don't give you a percent chance? It's a limited edition. Usually those are sold at Funko through Funko only, maybe maybe even only in the store. But yeah, all the all the other not not counting the Batman Rebirth, all the others, Gotham by Gaslight, Batman, the Eradicator, Flash Rebirth, Kyle Rayner, are all twenty. There's two thousand fifty made, so you have a one point six two percent chance. So that ain't good. But then again, uh, I gotta I gotta keep my fingers crossed that my luck continues. Like when I was able to get that White Lantern Hal soda and what out of what out of four, right? I only, I only got four. I I ordered four. Eat me. Yeah. I got four. I ordered four of those sodas. Two. I didn't. I, I didn't get my shoe shine variant of the underdog either. And you, and you only bought. What you only bought one though, did you? I bought two. Oh, you bought two. Yeah, I bought oh. two. I bought two from Entertainment Earth, and I pre-ordered two from Entertainment Earth, and I ordered two from Big Bad Toy Store. The two from Entertainment Earth were both how both Green Lantern how and of. And the two I got from Big Bad Toy Store when my pile of loot shipped, the first one that I opened was the was the White Lantern Hal. But un, but unlike those, we're never going to find a case of these available on eBay for good money. <laughs> oh, that's a suck. I was just thinking about this too. It, it's kind of fate the other day because I was looking at Cyborg Superman 
And I, and there was another, I thought, thought there was another pop that I saw that was related to Reign of the Superman. And it's like, I hope they're going to complete the whole set because I really want the Eradicator. And it's like, ah, oh, you bastard. Way to hand it down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, there's these very exclusive figures out there that uh, you're not going to get your hands on very easily. Yeah, More so. disappointing news. Now back to you in the studio. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 depressing. For sure. All right. Well, if people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast to track us down. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, leave us a text, reach out to try to get our Discord link. The 708 Lantern is another way of contacting us there. And that is, I think, it for now. Uh, are you planning on seeing Doctor Strange this week by the time this re- gets released? <laughs> uh, fingers crossed, but uh, I, you know, I'm not going to promise anything. I, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm actually aiming to try. Okay, that that yeah. that is a that is essentially a victory unto itself. So we'll have to. Uh, no, we got to hope that pans out. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to make any concrete plans until the day or two before the day I would actually see it. But uh, just just yeah, just the way things shake out. But yeah, cool. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. So you have to understand that in the beginning, nothing and everything were the same thing, a single black infinitude, cold and dark for so very long that even the birth of the burning light was imperceptible. But the light grew and soon everything was was no longer nothing and the darkness screamed. This caused an imperceptible flaw in what was once the immaculate perfection of the light. And in that instant, the multiverse was born. The very start of the eternal push and pull of the great darkness and the light that ultimately culminated in a crisis on infinite Earths. Marnovu, one of the many created by the light to monitor the multiverse and the anti-monitor, one of the many cursed by the great darkness to obliterate the multiverse. The monitor gave his life to activate the multiverse's immune system, natural defenses known as superheroes to combat the threat of the anti-monitor. But victory came at a cost greater than the disease and what was once a vast and infinite multiverse died giving birth to just one single universe. And the light was weakened by this loss. The great darkness took advantage of this weakness and attacked and everything almost became nothing once again until a truce was brokered by the unlikeliest superhero of them all. And it shows a panel of Swamp Thing. So for people playing along at home, the Swamp Thing 49 and 50 from the Alan Moore run are valid in the Great Darkness history. The light would no longer shine as bright and the Great Darkness would slumber and no longer attempt to extinguish it, a compromise of near-perfect harmony, or so it would seem. The great darkness continued to exert its influence even as it slumbered. And here we see a hand, and on that hand is uh, Magog and Extant and 
Superboy Prime, so on and so forth. Avatars and puppets all working to weaken the new universe and extinguish the light. Each of them unaware of their connection to a larger will. Ultimately, these relentless attacks culminated in another crisis that forced the lone universe to evolve into what we now know as our new multiverse, breaking the truce between the great darkness and the light. Monitors were dispatched by the light to contain and limit the new multiverse to an orrery of 52 worlds in hopes of slowing the great darkness's awakening. But it was inevitable. But it was inevitable, as was Darkseid. One of the few aware of the existence of the Great Darkness, Darkseid was instrumental in stopping the Anti-Monitor during the First Crisis. The god of all evil, Darkseid, understood a truth about the Great Darkness that few ever would. It cares not for good and evil, or evil, life nor death. The Great Darkness only wants nothing to be everything once more. So Darkseid manipulated prophecy and destiny to trigger a final crisis all designed to draw out the great darkness so that a god of evil could truly control everything. There was only one thing Darkseid didn't count on. As the multiverse was at its weakness, uh, at its weakest, in the, the moment of lonely silence, right before a desperate Hail Mary to save it with a wish on a miracle machine, the great darkness revealed itself through Mandrak, the first monitor and first corrupted by the dark. His scheme succeeded, but at the cost of his own life. And once again, a monitor activated a multiversal natural immune system to protect it from the absolute enemy. The last monitor, Nix Utan, super judge and all evil and son of Mandrak. Mandrak was defeated, and the evil machine healed uh, the miracle machine healed the multiverse, and the great darkness finally realized who its true enemy was: superheroes. Earth Zero, at the center of the multiverse, contained the prime versions with variations of those heroes emanating out into surrounding universes. The Great Darkness spread its influence across the cosmos and found a being of great power. It cursed the quantum life form with the task of weakening the heroes of Earth Zero by stealing life from their time from their universe. Elsewhere, the right hand of the Great Darkness, once used to form a truce with the new, uh, with the light, became something new. The empty hand grew an army of gentry from the carcass of the old multiverse to test the variant superheroes of the surrounding Earths. And the Super Judge faced off against the gentry as they invaded our multiverse, only to be corrupted by them in the Great Darkness. But not before an SOS was sent out to the many Earth superheroes who banded together to fight the gentry head-on as the Justice League incarnate. As the universe's surrounding Earth Zeros endured the crucible of crisis, the last now corrupted monitor opened Darkseid's tomb and freed him from death. But Darkseid had other plans and began his long work of reassembling his godhead. The superheroes managed to save Nix Wotan and quarantine the gentry to the universe of Earth-7. There, the gentry labor to complete the Oblivion machine and undo the wish once made upon the Miracle Machine. The Great Darkness then turned its attention back to Earth Zero, and there it began the Metal Wars. And then it goes into, I'm, I, I feel like I've been reading for a while. Yes, uh, yes, you but, have. But we go into, there's a couple more pages, so I won't. Um, we go into Death Metal and what all of that was. We talk about uh, what Earth Omega was that we discovered in Infinite Frontier. And we talk about the reassembling of the one true dark side. And she says, um, uh, basically, all of this is being told by uh, Dr. Multiverse. But essentially, 
the dark the great darkness is is at the center of everything that has ever happened in uh in <laughs> in in uh, the dc universe among crises as also the uh, central threat as to why the big threats like um, when Superboy Prime fucked up everything and then I guess in 52 Mr. Mind became that giant multiverse moth or whatever like the, the, the great darkness is behind it all so while it's called Dark Crisis people's joke is probably about crisis events in general is pretty uh, still spot on as this is basically crisis on infinite crises <laughs> Chad, you ignorant slut.